podcast featuring musical conversations about an album or song which has changed and enhanced someone's life. I am your host, songwriter Matt Targa. Thanks for joining us today. We humans connect with the presence of music in our own unique way. As an artist, a concert goer, through our headphones, or as something that simply lives in our everyday background. Today, we're speaking with one Scout Gallette from Brooklyn, New York, by way of Kansas City, Missouri. Scout is a musician and runs her own booking agency called Road Dog Booking. Her atmospheric and contemplative debut record titled No Roof, No Floor is out now via Captured Tracks, and at the time of our conversation in November of 2022, wrapped up a tour in support of Sarah Shook and the Disarmers. She also celebrated a release party for No Roof, No Floor at the record bar in Kansas City with The Whiffs, Blanky, and Magic Marty. No Roof, No Floor was produced by Nick Kinsey at the Chicken Shack in Stanfordville, New York, and features Ellen Kempner of Palehound and David Lismy of MSMR. The music of Scout Gallette, in my opinion, is very difficult to pin down sonically, and I personally believe that's a very good place to land for an artist. If you enjoy the musical stylings of Sharon Van Etten, Angel Olsen, Mazzy Starr, and Patti Smith, Scout has a seat at that table. And I highly recommend going to catch her upcoming solo tour on the West Coast through the month of December. And I'll also make sure to throw a link in the show notes for ease of access. For our conversation today, we're going to be discussing The Man Who Died in His Boat, the ninth studio album by American experimental pop musician known as Liz Harris, who performs under the moniker Gruber. The Man Who Died in His Boat was released on Monday, February 4th, 2013, and uh, the record consists of outtakes from uh, some previous efforts when uh, she was in the process of recording Dragging a Dead Deer Up a Hill. So without further ado, let's get to know our guest, Scout Gallette. Scout, welcome to Cover to Cover. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so uh, congrats on your debut record, No Roof, No Floor. I'm so thrilled to have recently discovered your music uh, this fall when you were out on the road with Sarah Shook. So many congrats. Thank you so much. So uh, before we press record, um, we're talking a little bit about uh, Missouri. And originally you're from Independence, Missouri. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Birthplace of uh, Harry S. Truman, the 33rd president of the United <laughs> States. And not to be mistaken for Sheriff Harry S. Truman from the critically acclaimed David Lynch television show known as Twin Peaks. Um, I'd like to just mention the latter Truman for a second. So um, your latest record has an aesthetic which really reminds me of the beauty and kind of general eeriness of that show. And uh, like Twin Peaks, I I think your record is uncompromising. Um, From my vantage point, you, um, you strike me as someone with a clear direction as it relates to your overall musical vision. And um, I believe you mentioned in an interview, and please correct me, uh, not too long ago, a phrase that, you know, really stuck with me. And that was, uh, it was directly and indirectly related to music uh, about authenticity, um, figuring out how you want to walk in this world and, you know, just generally being real in everyday life. Um, This brings me to just kind of a handful of separate, but, you know, I think related questions in my mind, and I'd like to ask you first, what does the word independence mean to you? The word independence means to me is by walking your to the own beat of your drum. I think by taking initiative and leading a life that's freeing because it's hard to find your own 
walk and path in this life. But if you do find yourself and continue to explore finding yourself, then that's very freeing in a way. Um, so that's how I would say that about independence. Yeah. Do you think your maybe state of mind has changed in any way? Uh, growing up, living in the Midwest, and then moving over to the East Coast, has that, you know, just kind of that definition just changed in any way, shape, or form? Definitely. I feel like I always did my own thing, and I always kind of felt like a freak, and I always, you know, I've always been curious, and I've always explored, but I grew up with the same group of people and the same friends, and it was a great community, but then when I moved to New York, I really got to lean into that more and feel more comfortable kind of breaking outside of what I had known and who I had like let myself be, I got to kind of, and I'm still learning to push myself out even more and just bring my authenticity. I That, that word is really hard to say. It always twists my tongue. Authenticity um, to the table and to my shows and to my records. We're speaking with Scalcolette here on Cover to Cover with Matt Tarka. Uh, we'll be talking about the man who died in his boat in just a couple of minutes, but you know, we're getting to know Scout a little bit before we, you know, really delve into the record. Um, so I'd like to build a little bit more, if that's okay, just about the word general, you know, word independence in general. Um, the idea of independence and authenticity. Um, how does that relate back to kind of the punk rock community that you, you know, came out of in Kansas City? Was that you know, something that was increasingly important to always be authentic? Definitely. That was a very safe place for me. I grew up in the church, didn't really feel like I belonged there. And um, when I started getting more exposed to live music and shows and basement shows, I saw people being their freakiest self and, you know, no boundaries, no, you know, just doing ridiculous stuff that really, um, you know, affected me and changed me. And I also felt safe in that community. Even being younger, I felt really like taken care of and heard and, um, yeah, definitely free. That kind of leads me into just, you know, just sort of a general question about, you know, being immersed in band life and being out on the road playing solo shows. Does the idea of independence require creative control in both of those settings? And when you're getting together in the studio, whether it's, you know, cutting a, a band record or, you know, thinking about approaching a solo album, what is that? How do you navigate both of those areas? I'm still learning how to fully navigate them. I feel you know, I do feel like I have a clear direction. And when I practice with my band and the band that I play live with, who I'm very comfortable with, I feel comfortable expressing dynamic mood, um, colors, even um, imagery. I use a lot of imagery. I use a lot of feelings. I use a lot of different words and landscapes to try to get the message across. And then I feel really lucky in the fact that they know me and know how to tap in, but there is, you know, there's direction there. And then when it's by myself and when I'm doing solo shows, I do feel a bit more vulnerable and it can be more of a challenge to fully grab the crowd, you know, because sometimes there's just more dead space. So you, you kind of have to know how to feel free and goof around and engage and that's also very freeing in its way because you 
you can really during some of my solo shows I've really explored you know just stopping the song and just like make keeping people on their toes you know and you don't have to worry about messing the band up behind you so it's freeing in a different way because there's also times when I'm with a band and we get to another realm of the song and it's like magic because you're experiencing it with people who have been learning and growing with the song so friends we're talking with scout galette on cover to cover with matt tarka all things music basically scout's approach to writing songs and we're also going to be talking about the man who died in his boat which is the ninth studio record from grouper um scout let's talk about grouper in general let's do it who is who who is grouper um how how did you how did you discover uh, the artist? When I started collecting records when I was fifteen, and started with you know the the classics, songs of Leonard Cohen, Tapestry by Carol King, Animalization by the Animals, just you know it, just the classics, and then that was the first record where I had the experience of going to a record store on my own when I was 17, 16, 17. And the clerk asked me, can I help you find anything? And I just was like, yeah, I, I like ambient music and um, female vocals. Cause I was listening to a lot of Mogwai at the time. Um, come on, come on, die young. And I, he was like, Oh, a record just came in this week. So he showed me The Man Who Died in His Boat, and it was a recent release, and that record just really hit me hard, and it's been in my Rolodex of records at least twice a year on repeat for for quite some time. So it's when you asked me, it happened to be that that time where I was listening to the record a lot on the road. Um, So it felt good to kind of talk about and so I've got to ask you this is, you know, at the moment right now, is this record kind of a source of inspiration or maybe even a, a reference point when you were cutting no roof, no floor? Or is it just, you know, it sounds like it, you know, may go back a little further bit in your musical life, maybe circa Scout and the Snaggles. How did, um, <laughs> how much inspiration is it, you know, kind of providing you at the moment when you've been in the studio recently? I think it it comes in ways that aren't so obvious. What I like about this record is that it explores in a sound that's very new to me and new to my ears. I love the warbly tape. I love the vocals and I I love the feeling of it. I I feel a lot of things that I feel on a day-to-day basis, but feel like I can experience it with this record. So I think just the curiosity of death and what it means to live, which definitely does come into my album in different ways. I'd say my record's not as like ambient and um, vibey besides Hush Stay Quiet. I think that this record did find the inspiration from this record definitely took, yeah, for for Hush Stay Quiet. I think think that song in, in particular, probably the most that I could pinpoint. Check out Hush Stay Quiet. It's such an arresting track if I say so myself both you know as a, as a studio cut and also in a live setting um Scout this feels like a like the most appropriate time in the world mm-hmm. to talk about some of your favorite tracks on the man who died in his boat 
Um, how would you like to begin? Would you like to tackle the entire record yeah. and go as the program suggests, cover to cover? Or would you like to pick out some of your absolute favorites and take it away? Yeah, I'll pick out. I have a few favorites. I'd say Living Room is definitely a favorite, and that's the last track of the record. Um, with the only song on the record that has lyrics available. And I think it's just so beautiful. Um, she says, I'm looking for the place the spirit meets the skin. Can't figure out why that place feels so hard to be in. We're all of us at this ill-fitting party, busy pretending to relate. And it's getting harder and harder to take acting like everything is in place. And I think those lyrics just hit really hard. It's the first time where you can actually make out what she's singing on the record and for it to be the last track is really effective. I think it's really smart and I don't know if she planned it because I know there are like a lot of outtakes and a lot of just feelings and moods and um, ambient movement. And I think that that just kind of closes the record in a really beautiful way because um, yeah, it's so real. I think everyone has those feelings and um, I think also the cover really allured me to it because that's a photograph of her mom and there's something that has this yeah deep curiosity and mystery and darkness to it in just that one simple image and you know I had read that she wrote this album and some of these songs based on ex an experience she had with her dad of seeing a crashed ship um, at the shore when she was a young girl. And I think it's so interesting that it took her a long time to put these songs into a, a package of those feelings of, yeah, of being curious about death and what, what that was and what she saw. And um, I think it's just such a spooky, haunting you know, just dark, it's a beautiful record. And it brings me a lot of ease somehow listening to it. And it took like 10 or 11 tracks. She waited until, you know, the closing part of the record to really just kind of, I don't know, project vocally a lot of the emotions that are really baked into the entire record. You know, a lot of the angelic vocals that you kind of hear throughout just sort of bubbling to that proverbial surface. And then it's just such a, it's just such a great release point it really is it was. was that your first time listening it to it yeah i was blown away wow. did you enjoy it yeah it's so good and it's on Bandcamp too just shouting that out if to anyone listening it's available on Bandcamp, which i think is amazing when more established artists still have totally a Bandcamp page up speaking with scout galette here on cover to cover with matt tarka about the man who died in his boat which is the ninth studio record from grouper um what's next scout we started at the end we talked you, you, we discussed a little bit of cover art what's a what's what's another favorite track of yours i love how sts the track before living room even leads into it because i feel like that's when it pulsates the most there's not as many lyrics it's more instrumental the panning is really sharp and there's just this unsettling feeling almost um and I, I love that. I love that that happens before the living room because it's almost like you have a place of like, ugh, like really hearing her beautiful vocals that are just up top and more clear than they'd ever been. So I like the fact that the track before it's, you know, this like just tension of just really, really building 
you know, up to a relief. Um, I also just really appreciate in the record how delicate it is. I, I really like when you can hear guitarists have um, guitar scratches, even though in my record, when I hear it, it's like fingernails on a chalkboard. But with Cat Power and with Grouper and with many other older records as well, it's only natural to get that scratch. You can't like, you know, especially on like an acoustic guitar. So I really like that sonic aspect of the record. It actually adds a lot of texture and tension as well. Um, I, I just think the whole record is just stunning. I mean, Towers, Cloud in Places, uh, those are also favorite tracks of mine. I'd like to just jump back to STS for a second. It's six minutes and six seconds of just like this, just beautiful, just vibrato kind of textures. And when I was listening to this first for the first time, I was sort of imagining like a gardener kind of carefully patting the soil to ensure the roots of a plant, you know, will take to the ground. And there's, oh, yeah. there's like this really cool just yearning on this track too. It's not like a... Again, for my ears, not a total retreat, but like sort of a recall of some similar kind of sonicness that, uh, you know, that I heard in Difference Voices, which I think is, you know, kind of towards the middle of the record. Um, mm-hmm. I just wanted to bring up that that sort of, you know, perspective as well. Definitely. I think that's a good point. And I think another one of my favorite things about this record is how cinematic it is. It's a record that while driving in a car, while walking, well, even just like lying on my floor and like listening to it, staring at the ceiling, which I've done a lot of times, um, I feel like it always takes me to a place that is, yeah, very cinematic. And I have a lot of images that come to my mind and a lot of questions and acceptance. And I, I think it's just extremely underrated. And I'm I'm very happy that this one person <laughs> in Columbia in Missouri, you know, recommended this record to me. Nice. It was for- very formative. Yeah. Friends, we're talking with Scout Gallette here on Cover to Cover about Gruber and uh, their ninth studio offering, The Man Who Died in His Boat. Um, what's another track that we can discuss in some relatively granular detail? Uh, I think, yeah, Towers and Clouds and Cloud and Places. Um I'm trying to think. Yeah, Tower, All I mean, it, it, these tracks just all give me a lot of the same similar feelings. Like Cloud and Places is earlier on in the record. I think it's the second track. That one I feel like has a lot, a little bit more um, ease with listening to. It's kind of like you're just starting to get into the record and you're like, you get a little bit of taste of what the warbly tape and with the like echoed voices where it's going to go. Um, so I think it foreshadows a lot of what's to come on the record. And Towers isn't a good centerpiece, too. It's so beautiful. Her vocals are so angelic and just really make me feel like I'm at the top of a tower. It is like, you know, in Scotland or something with like a dark looming cloud and, you know, a bunch of hills. So, yeah. I love that. I love that. I wonder if she, you know, when she was, you know, looking at these songs that, you know, I guess you know, since they were outtakes, they weren't fitting on, you know, any, anything that she was working on in that particular moment. I wonder if she was kind of going back to that scene, just capturing exactly like what she heard and maybe sampled some of that and then just brought it into her own 
studio and just how reactionary was the record. Right. I'm really curious about that too. I mean, I spend a lot of my time recording on my four track. And so I'm curious of what like will happen from those. Like I know just how the process of songwriting goes and a lot of, I have a lot of my older demos and stuff, but I am curious to see what I'll add to it and what, because there is something that's so raw and real about it. And those are the moments of when I'm really present with the songs and exploring the songs. So I think they're really special and I'm curious on if I'll ever have a kind of grouper-esque record. (laughs) This is kind of an aside, just, just as an artist, do you find your ever find yourself like listening back to a demo and then kind of like chasing the, you know, the tone and tenor of that demo later on when you're in the studio? Definitely. Yeah. And I think with this next record, even more so, I, with the newer tracks, have recorded them more. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited for the second record. I think I, I have an even clearer direction of how to capture it and to keep them in their raw forms. Right on. Yeah. What's next? What's next with Grouper? Hmm. I'd say Towers is a good centerpiece of the record. I think I don't have the record on me. It's track five or six. Am I wrong? Am I right? Do you have the? It's track nine. Oh, it's a longer album, isn't it? How many? Um, I also love that record or that song too. Uh. Yeah, I think just everything leading to living room is just like that's that's how I feel like the record um, sets out. And I know that it's something where they were all like demos and outtakes and all that, but it does feel like there's a story across the whole whole record itself. Yeah, you know, the title track, I mean, you were talking about kind of that scratchy acoustic, you know, guitar you know portion you know of of various songs and uh i got the sense of you know just sort of you know vocally that there's a really confident voice trying to make sense of you know what's happened here you know just this ominous ominous both that appears and there's no sign of you know not to get too too dark but there's no sign of a struggle it's just somebody who's literally and physically just kind of washed ashore and all of their supplies are on the boat. What do you, you know, how do you grapple with that? Like, it's just so mysterious and. It's so mysterious and so, yeah, dark. And I think that, yeah, there there's something that I love so much about this record where it feels like I'm almost in the room with Liz Harris. You know, it feels like I'm sitting next to them and like hearing their beautiful angelic voice just like it's like a warm blanket that just covers me and I I really appreciate the vulnerability of it even though you can't make out the lyrics of what they're saying there's still a feeling and I still feel like I understand what they're saying and yeah the mystery the darkness the there's an acceptance to it as well yeah that they are human I you know the one little bit of a lyric I was able to pick out was he has someone, <laughs> you know, there's somebody out there in the world that cares or, or cared about him. 
you know, who know who who knows if that person who cares about them knows even knows yeah even yeah. knows what happened to them. There's there's something else too. It's I don't know if it was an effect or uh, or Liz actually just you know pressing you know the the record button on on a tape recorder a little too hard to kind of get that you know that sort of scratchiness or some sort of a a loop. You know what I'm talking about when you just like accidentally hit a button and the and your tape just immediately stops and kind of squeals. Yeah, yeah. There's a warbly tape thing going on the whole time in action. And I'm really curious to see if that was a back end thing or if it was something that was while recording happening, because there are these loops and effects and just like so much sound. Scout, are there any additional tracks that you would like to discuss? Or do, do you think we've kind of captured the essence of the, the mystery beyond or behind this record? I think we've captured it and I think that people should just listen to it and sit with it themselves. I think every song on the record is special and hits me in a different, different ways. And I think it's a full story. And uh, yeah, like I said, it's a record that I revisit twice a year and sit with for a week or two at a time. So it definitely finds its way into my music. I know it. Um, I can't pinpoint, you know, there is nothing that I copied, but it's, has been such a formative record for me that I know. And when I listened back to it, I was like, oh, in Hush Stay Quiet, there's kind of that tonal like unease and that ambient thing. And maybe I pulled it from this. Uh, I also grew up, you know, singing in the choir. And I think that's also why I really take to her vocals because they're just so angelic and choral and very beautiful. Yeah. Scout Galette of Scout Galette. Thank you very much for being on Cover to Cover today. It's been an honor to have you. And it's also been great to learn more about you as an artist and learn about um, this particular record from Gruber. So uh, thank you very much. Thank you, Matt, for having me on. All right. Thank you very much to all of you for tuning in to Cover to Cover. Please take a moment to hit that subscribe button from wherever you enjoy listening to podcasts. Stay in touch with Cover to Cover on Instagram at Cover to Cover Conversations, all lowercase, all one word. Or if you prefer email, please feel free to drop us a line at hello at covertocoverconversations.com. Intro and outro music of our podcast is produced by Jarrett Nicolay at Mixtape Studios in Alexandria, Virginia. We hope you discovered some new music, perhaps rekindled your love for an old forgotten song, and shared a good moment with us as we continue to sonically explore a world from cover to